welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. I'm so pleased to be back. We've had a short break, partly uh, to do with timings, partly because I've been waiting to bring you this incredible episode. Sarah is the author of the beautiful book Salt on My Skin, which explores a year of wild swimming while dealing with the death of a close friend and a dementia diagnosis for her mum. Sarah lives on the Orkney Islands and wild swimming became something that popped onto a list which she'll tell us more about in a minute. But the book is just so beautiful. It's such a accessible and compelling read. I can't recommend it highly enough. So when Sarah agreed to come on my podcast, I felt a bit fangirly, I have to say, and I'm not the only one. Um, There were other people who were equally excited to hear that I was recording this episode. Sarah is an absolute wonder to speak to, so I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. Um, Sarah's recovering from a cold, and I think I might be getting one because there's a couple of little coughs that go on, but we're human and so are you, so I know you'll forgive us. Enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. I am delighted to bring you this guest today. This is someone we've we've been trying to organise this for a little while, this conversation. And for me, I've been waiting for ages to speak to my guest because she is an inspiration. Um, I'm delighted to bring to the conversation Sarah Noikwe. How are you, Sarah? Hi, I'm good, thank you. And thank you very much for having me. Let's be honest it's all my fault that we couldn't get it together before. No, 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 no definitely not, definitely not. Thank you for being um, so patient. <laughs> I, think, I think you're very generous because I'm sure that my, my email replies were delayed, but we are here and that's really exciting because I um, was very, very lucky that my friend Joe put me onto you and I followed you on Instagram and then somehow I won a competition um, and got a copy of your incredible book called Salt on My Skin, which is um, following you through your first year of wild swimming and I just wanted to grab some time with you because I found it such a a wonderful inspiring accessible book and um, I was saying before we started recording that it was just like having you in the room with me and a, a lot of women listen to this podcast particularly because they want to be inspired by people who've made brave choices or done something different and you not only made a brave choice in dipping your toes uh, and and everything else into the water, <laughs> but did so while you were coping with all sorts of changes in your family as well. Um, and so I'm delighted that you've uh, spent some time with me today t- to talk about that. Thank you. Thank you. No worries. So tell us a little bit about going right back to the start of the book. Tell us a little bit about that first dip and what inspired you to um, get going on wild swimming. Well, it it came about um, because I was approaching 50. I was going to be 50 the following year. Um, And so I decided to do something called my 49 list. So it was 49 new experiences while I was still 49. Um, as I often say, I didn't have enough to do. I'm lying, you know, it was so busy. Why not just add a few more things, you know, a completely unachievable list into that as well. And one of those things was a one-off dip in the sea, a polar bear dip, I called it, because the group up here in Orkney is called the, the polar bears. Mm-hmm. So one, one swim in really cold water 
Um, and one swim is probably maybe five or 600 I've done now. I don't know, I've lost count, but um, it, it just was fantastic and um, became quite the addiction. So uh, I just carried on. What, what was it that, like, how did it feel actually thinking, okay, now I have to actually take my clothes off and get into this chilly water? Because sometimes what we think is, when, when we're actually doing the thing that, that we might be nervous about or anxious about a little bit, it's the build up to it that's the hardest bit. Once we've done it, that's the thing that gives you the buzz and keeps you going. So how did it feel to be like on the edge of the, the coastal line, on the edge of the shore, stripping off and ready to get in? It was terrifying, actually. And I, I was even worried. I, I even said to the group that we were going, is there a GP present? Because I thought, you know, all kinds of things like, what if I actually die? Um, and even the thought of taking my clothes off in public was terrifying. Um, I don't have a, I don't have a magazine body. I, you know, uh, so the whole, the whole thing was terrifying, not knowing what to expect. Um, and looking at other people and people a similar age to me, older than me and thinking, well, if they can do it, I can do it. But but also at the same time, just thinking, what if I can't do it? What if I have a panic attack mm -hmm. and make a complete show of myself? I was worried about that. Um, but I'm I'm still here. And, you know, I didn't die. Uh, I didn't need a doctor. And <laughs> and I carried on doing it. So <laughs> amazing. So and you're now around 500 ish swims, you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I've got no idea. My, you know, I've really got no idea. But generally this this week I've had a bit of a cold, so I haven't. But generally, uh, you know, maybe four or five times a week, every week of the year, I will I will swim in the swim in the sea. Yeah. And on your list of 49 things, was there anything else that you've kept up with that you tried as a result? Um, I don't think there was. I mean, some of them are really simple things like try a new food or a new recipe. Mm -hmm. Some of them are things like a pull a pint. I'd never pulled a pint. So yes. I, you know, I just had a go at that. I saw a calf being born. Wow. Um, so some of them were fun things. Some of them were harder things. Um, like learn to knit or yeah like that um but I don't I I think the swimming is the thing that I really apart from publish a book which that, I will plan to consider pretty blooming awesome <laughs> that was a big thing but um but yes I think swimming is is the the one activity and actually you know I've tried lots of different activities over the years running and cycling and you know all kinds of different things and the outdoor swimming is the, is the one thing that I've consistently stuck with over the years and I'm really proud of that I'm really really pleased with that achievement. What do you think it is about it that means that it has stuck and obviously I'm hoping that you have since learning to knit I hope you've knitted yourself a swimsuit I think that's quite <laughs> actually we've got a photo of my mum in a knitted swimsuit like how did they ever survive? <laughs> My God, I've got one of my dad in one and you'd think when they got out of the water it must have just sagged everywhere around them poor things weighed about a four stone <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant so I yeah the world is ready for me in a knitted swimsuit you know <laughs> <laughs> but what do I think it is I think um there's a sense of empowerment um mm -hmm. sense of achievement 
Um, I, I, you know, I'm not breaking any records. Well, perhaps maybe breaking a record for being the slowest swimmer, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in it for the co competition. I'm just, there's a lovely social element to it. I generally nearly always go with at least one friend, sometimes a group. Um, there's the beautiful scenery, there's the, it, it's just really accessible. Um, and there's, there's just a sense of achievement, but there's also, when we talk about this, especially in the colder weather, there's that cold water high and mm -hmm. you really do get a, a buzz from it. You get a, a high from it. Um, it does keep you going for a few days afterwards yeah, as well, doesn't it? It really it's does. Nice. really does. And there's something addictive about that. And, you know, other people research it um, and they say it can be as addictive as, you know, like using cocaine or something. Obviously, and probably a lot cheaper, I would have thought. Yeah, <laughs> I would think. Mind you, it's illegal in some places. I'm sure you wouldn't get into as much trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but then I talk about this free hobby, and then I think, well, I'll buy a change robe, and then, oh, well, I, you know, I need the shoes, and I want the bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. And then I said to my friend, I could do with like a little camper van. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimate, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimate that you've got to have the van to go with the swim life, definitely. Yeah, this hobbies escalating somewhat <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about writing the book as well so was publish a book on on your list was that one of the things you wanted to do yeah that's been on my bucket list rather than my 49 list I've always wanted to publish um I've always I've, I've discovered that I can communicate through writing that mm -hmm. people seem to like um as you have already said my sort of conversational tone yeah it's beautiful it's, it's quite um it can be quite self-deprecating it can people say that they laugh but they also cry so mm -hmm. there's a you know it's it's very accessible to people relatable I suppose um and I so yes I have always wanted to publish a book and then when and this is not a huge spoiler alert it's right at the very beginning of the book um when you know in January when I started the swimming at the same time um one of my very close friends died mm. but also my mum was diagnosed with dementia um and that was so pivotal for me and I was going through so much my second child had left home just a few months before so I had this echo chamber of an empty nest yeah um you know I'd reached the kind of menopause age and I I didn't I just didn't know who it was anymore um and so there were so many feelings to process um and especially about mum and so I decided to start writing it down and then I thought well maybe other people might like to read this so um I went ahead and published the book and, and have no you know no regrets sorry that's okay tomorrow no, I think I think it's amazing. And I, and I was saying um, again before we recorded that and people will have, have heard Jo, she's been a, a guest on my my podcast as well. Um, but she was saying uh, she talks about her dad has Alzheimer's and um, she said that what she read from you and, and the things that you've shared have really genuinely helped her to um, work out what it is she wants to do in terms of coping with her dad's diagnosis and helping him cope with his diagnosis as well so and I can't imagine she's the only person who's asked me to thank you so I'm sure that you you were saying you've had lots of people who've said how much it resonated for them as well yes definitely people have because I I started I mean the book you know before the book I started sharing 
on Instagram, which is where most of my social media energy goes to. Um, I started sharing snippets about mum and how I was feeling. And sometimes, um, you know, it'd be a really tough day or emotional or whatever. And I started sharing these things and kind of thinking, am I oversharing here? But people started messaging me and saying, oh, this has really helped. I really appreciate you sharing this. Um, and so I, I realized that actually we're all in the same boat that, you know, people who are going through this diagnosis or their loved one is going through this diagnosis, we're, we're all feeling the same things. And I said, so, which, which actually made me think I will write this book because people do. And I very much appreciate that, that kind of feedback that other people have, have felt that they're not alone. Um, and this is, it can be quite a lonely journey um, and it's, you know, people feel that they're not alone and, and we can pick up tips and ideas from people. Yeah. Uh, and that can be hugely helpful as well. I think we underestimate the power of storytelling, actually, and sharing stories because it can be so helpful. It can make all the difference to someone to just know that someone else is going through a similar thing. And it's not even necessarily going through the journey of the diagnosis or caring for a loved one it it can be absolutely specific things like I just feel really lonely because of this and then if you hear someone else say that you you suddenly think oh my gosh this is just it's just wonderful to know that someone's in the same place as you sometimes yes and I think I think overwhelm um you know especially at first diagnosis I remember somebody gave me a book about dementia it was kind of one of these free free it's quite a thick book but one that's is given to you and they had a helpline number and I I remember just being so desperate uh, before mum had even been diagnosed um mm. being so desperate that I rang this helpline and spoke to a lady and she was so kind and she said you know often when people have had their diagnosis they feel a bit better and I just I mean I only ever used that helpline once and I only maybe only spoke for 10 minutes or so um but I really appreciated that. And to know that other people, there's quite a lot of people that message me on Instagram feeling the same way. Um, and it, it's, it, it is just a help and a comfort to know that what you're going through, other people are going through and may, you know, maybe it can be of a help. Yeah. And I, I very much was left with the feeling of, how much the wild swimming, how much the sea swimming helped you with that as well in terms of the processing of some of the thoughts, but also to get away from some of the stuff that was going on. Not that you're, that, that makes it sound like you're trying to escape, but just to put your head somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, th there is a sense of getting away if you like, but what it is, is that that little half an hour is my half an hour where you don't think about anything else. You don't, all you do is just think, it's so cold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't realise those parts of my body even existed. Never mind get ice cream headache down there. Um, so, <laughs> so um, you know, you, you it kind of reset me. It, it gave me, it, it got me into a routine. I, for me, especially in the winter swimming, you know, you've got your little rituals, you have to have your flask and your layers of clothing. You have to think about, you can't just say, oh, let's just go in the sea. You've got to really think about 
have I got my layers and my hat and my flask and is the kettle board for a hot water bottle and all of that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, there's, it, there's routine and structure um, and it just really helped me, it, it reset me. And I used to say it was like some people had a cigarette and they felt calmer, but mm -hmm. I, you know, for me, this was, um, it just made me feel calm and, and happier. Yeah, definitely. There is something about finding that thing that does it for you, isn't it? Yeah. And, and as you were talking, it struck me. So listeners will know that I, I really enjoy going swimming in the sea and, and wherever I can. But it is mindful, isn't it? Because actually all you can focus on is, crikey, my toes are cold. Oh, my God, my ankles are cold. Oh, gosh, thighs. Oh, there go my bits right in the water. Yep, that's chilly. And it's all you can do is think about that, isn't it? So it's just such a wonderful way to get present. And I think what you said earlier as well, going going slightly back to, to the beginning of the conversation around having a magazine body, and let's face it, who does? Because they're all airbrushed within an inch yeah. of the <laughs> But it, but it is a, it's a real leveler, isn't it? Because you, I, I, so I say I wild swim. I don't, I wild bob. I get in the water and I bob about a bit. I don't go and do these wonderful, you know, epic swims, reading, um, reading wild woman swimming, Lynn Roper, you know, the, the swim she does around Burr Island and things. Yes. And, and, and I, I'm not a, a wild swimmer in that sense. I, but I think that's okay because I think you can be any size and any shape and you can be, a long distance swimmer or a short distance swimmer or a bobber and it really doesn't matter that's I have found that so freeing you get really used to bodies you know yeah. in fact we all went to a quiz night one night and I thought this is really strange like seeing people with their clothes on I'm so used to seeing them just in a swimsuit or whatever but yeah. um yeah I think it's I think it's really freeing because you can there's no rule book nobody says you have to do this and in fact, it's safer if you if you do what's good for you. Yeah. So I, I don't particularly like people saying, how long can I stay in? I don't think it you stay in what is safe and right for you mm. rather than, you know, well, at this degrees, you stay in for this many minutes. It's it's not about that. But you see all shapes and sizes. And that's what I've really enjoyed. And when I started doing it and then I sort of went on Instagram and found lots of other people doing it and and you really do see people from all shapes and sizes yeah. you know some people don't shave their legs and other people do and nobody cares and that's the really lovely thing I just whoever I see whenever I see them I just think good for you good yeah. for you you're doing you're doing this you're getting in the water you're doing that thing that you enjoy good for you I don't care what you look like no, just, it, it, it makes me smile because I think oh lucky you getting in the water I wish I was doing that's more oh, like what I'm thinking is oh you're swim, in and I'm not yet like such swim envy oh so yeah. much so and the venues as well so I have to say I'm quite envious because of course you live in Orkney and that must be just such a stunning place to be able to swim it is amazing it's really really beautiful and because it's an island you can generally find somewhere where it's safe. There's not many days where it isn't safe somewhere. You know, you can find a sheltered spot. There are days when we have to all say, okay, we're not doing it today. Sure. But, um, but there are, are incredible, incredible scenery. We've got caves. We've got amazing sunrises and sunsets. Um, 
you know, lovely, lovely places and areas to swim. It is, it's a very different, diverse places and it's, it's really beautiful. And I do consider myself very lucky yeah. to live here and, you know, and have so many options and so many choices. That's fantastic. And you must have, after that first swim and then the second swim and then the third swim and the fourth swim, and you find yourself moving outside of your comfort zone and growing and feeling a bit more confident. Have you taken that feeling of being confident in the water into your life more generally? Um, I suppose I have in that I finally, you know, published the book um, and I very nearly didn't I very very nearly um just right before that I think it was that like the last two chapters yeah um I very nearly just thought oh no one's going to want to read this what a load of guff you know who who cares who cares about some middle-aged fat woman swimming like you know I I was so close to not publishing um and I thought is it imposter syndrome or am I just like really bad at writing <laughs> Um, so so it has helped me to to achieve those things and and do those things I mean I'm never going to start jumping out of planes you know I will not be doing bungee jumps I don't I don't care that much about empowering myself but (laughs) it has has helped me to to actually say it's never too late to start Um, absolutely kind of wish I'd done it sooner (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? When you do things like that, you do wish, oh my gosh, why, why didn't I do this five, 10, 15 years ago or whatever? Yes. Yeah. And tell me about the book because I'm so glad that you didn't stop two chapters before the end because it is such a beautiful read and I just can't recommend it highly enough. In fact, my copy isn't even here because I've lent it to a friend at the moment. <laughs> um, but it's it's just such a wonderful book and I'm so pleased that you ignored that imposter syndrome and carried on with it how has it been to like how does it feel when when you sell a copy when someone comments about how it might have changed things for them or impacted them how does that feel it is a wonderful feeling I'm so pleased I did it you know when I got over myself I mean I kept stalling I kept stalling on finishing it because I just I froze a little bit really Um, because I really did think who's going to be interested in this I self-published it because um, I wanted it to be ready from my mum before she didn't realise and in fact I gave her a copy and she started reading it and you know there are funny bits in it there's sad bits in it but there's also funny bits in it and um, and she read a bit of it and she was laughing at it and I knew it would be her humour and she was laughing at it then she closed the book and she said have you seen this book? Have you seen a copy of this book? And, you know, I was able to say that I was actually the one who wrote it. So we kind of only just made it in the nick of time. Nice. But it is really lovely to get such great feedback. Um, you know, we're all just insecure writers underneath. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's actually, you know, I, I'm actually working on book two now. Um, Yay! <laughs> and I've got book, book three sort of in the in my head um book three but I'm working on book two now and and it's you know it's in it's encouraged me to keep going um I sold well over 3,000 copies in in the first year and for self-published you know that's a really that's a really lovely amount and um to sell and and to keep selling it and and to, to just keep getting the lovely feedback. The interesting thing is, 
if I ever look on the, you know, like Goodreads or Amazon or I try, I look at the reviews and then I just think, oh, don't, don't do this, don't do this, because you might get, like, I think I got something like 165 star reviews and I got one, one, three stars. One you remember. <laughs> <laughs> like I just completely wiped out all the five stars and I was like who on earth gave me a three why didn't they like it and I just disappeared down a rabbit hole of insecurity but uh it, it's lovely it's really lovely to know it's impacted so many people it's exactly what we do though isn't it I I often describe um humans as uh, Teflon for positive feedback and Velcro for negative because that's what we hang on to, isn't it? You can have 150,000 five-star reviews, but it's the three stars or the two stars or the one stars that we cling on to. Yeah. It's crazy, it's exactly isn't it? Exactly Yeah, absolutely. But I think the fact that your mum has given it such high praise, that that's the only critic you need to worry about. And if she's recommending it to you, then it's got to be a good book, I'd say. That's right, that's right. And And also, you know, I have to remember as well that I wrote it first and foremost for myself. This was to process my feelings um, and, and kind of a love letter to my mum. And she, you know, she does, probably doesn't have a clue about it anymore, doesn't remember. Um, but nevertheless, I, and actually for my children, you know, it's kind of a legacy I've left, you know, you've left something. Um, I mean, my son is quite severely dyslexic and he, he said, Mum, I've never read a book in my life. I'm not going to start now, am I? So he hasn't, you know, he put me firmly in my place. I think he read the acknowledgements. Um, and some some sort of uh, beta readers read it before it was published. And they were like, oh, this is great. This is lovely. And my husband said, how many chapters have I got to read? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, the ones we love, they're the harshest critics, aren't they? They keep us grounded, don't they? But, uh, it's, it's, I've, I've certainly no regrets about publishing it and and looking forward to to producing the second one now so now you have to record it for audible then so that your son can listen to it you know so many people have said to me about and I need to get my backside into it I don't know how to do it um and I need to maybe maybe need to get an agent or something that somebody can help me do it but got to be the next step so if anyone is listening and knows how to record it and get it out there then then let's go that'll be brilliant yeah absolutely yeah definitely definitely so book two that's really exciting will that follow on from book one same sort of themes or are you exploring something different it's slightly different um so there will be a kind of sequel to salt on my skin further down the line because my mum is not going to live forever um she's still with us now she's deteriorating and you know there's a continuing journey of that and and how we all interact and how my dad copes and how I cope and you know I've got a sister in America and COVID and all those things so there is going to be a sequel um in terms of excuse me that's okay um but I, but there will, th th this book is, so I, I wrote a blog um, for many years. It's a bit, it's a bit neglected at the minute, but. Um, Sarah, this I'm just going to pause for a second. Hang on two seconds. Sorry about that. Sorry, I just had to pause for a cough. Carry on, Sarah. So um, I've been writing a blog for a lot of years and this book is going to be the best of the blog. So it's, it's oh, wow. very similar style, observations on life. And it can be from anything from, um, you know, my husband trying to teach me how to decorate a wall 
Brilliant. Hang wallpaper, which I couldn't care less about, and it becomes a Laurel and Hardy sketch. So, you know, that kind of thing. The things that break marriages, which is uh, loading the dishwasher, that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Observations on life, um, but also some deeper things as well. And um, maybe even some short stories that I've written and kind of won competitions with and things like that. So it's going to, um, it's taking, excuse me, it's taking shape. Um, and that will be out next year. Brilliant. Ooh, Brilliant. That's really exciting. I definitely want to look out for. That's really, really cool. Thank you. So, oh gosh, this is really silly, tickly throat. Excuse me. <coughs> I don't know where that's come from. It's not not good timing to be recording a podcast when you get a tickly cough. Um. So, in terms of book two, then that's really, really exciting. I love it. I love that it sounds like a bit of an anthology of all sorts of things, blogs yeah. and thoughts and and stories, and it'll just be wonderful. And what what happens next for you? Where what's have you got any um, ambitions in terms of the swimming? Is, is there because some people do swim streaks, some people do competitions. Is it for you just to keep it up as much as you can? Is that the thing? Yeah, I think pretty much. Um, I've done, I did a charity swim. I swam for dementia. Um, I think that was the first year I did the swimming. Yeah, it was, it was the first year. And I raised a, a few thousand pounds, actually. I was, uh, I was top of a leaderboard in a sports um, competition which has never happened before in my entire life and it was only for winning the most money <laughs> so <laughs> wrong with that that's all good all good you were top of that board it's good stuff um but no just to keep doing it I mean I feel like my life is I won't say on hold but life is very geared towards mum at the minute um and dad who's you know he's 82 and he's he's showing signs of uh carer fatigue let's say and you know it, we're just all kind of working towards what's going to happen with mum so for now um it's just to keep just to keep the swimming up survive through winter again um we, we every single time you get that sense of dread and then you just think oh I love it I don't know why I dreaded it <laughs> um so and so then you know maybe in the future it would be nice to to travel a little bit and, and do some more swims around the country and meet some of the wonderful people that I've met on Instagram it would be lovely to meet up with some of these people and swim in some some lovely places around the UK so that would I be think, I think you could work your way around the coast of the UK going and swimming with people who've been inspired by your posts or your book I think for sure so um if you want to go in the river way I'll, I'll take you there if you that would be wonderful <laughs> watch, watch this space absolutely that's fantastic so I'm I'm thinking about if if I was listening to this, what would I want me to ask you? And I think one of the things is how do you make that first step? So if someone is thinking, I'd really like to do something, and I love the idea of the 49 things. I think that's yeah. genius. I love that. So if someone's been inspired to think about, I, I want to do some things, I want to live a bit differently or make a decision that feels brave take that first step what would you advise someone to do do you think if they're thinking about doing something brave but they're just a bit nervous about it um it's very easy to say just go for it um but actually that can be harder than harder than you know it's than you say yeah um write it down 
write it down, try to visualize what it's going to look like when you've done the thing. Um, so I wrote my list. Um, and then you do have to just do it. Eventually, you have to just do it. Because you can, I could have a list of 49 things for the next 49 years. <laughs> but you do have to just get on and do it. But write it down, imagine yourself doing it, imagine how you're going to feel when you achieve it. And also, I have found this helpful because when I got stuck with the book, mm. somebody said, how would you feel if you didn't publish it? And I was like, oh gosh, that would be terrible. There was my answer. There was my answer straight away. So, you know, if you can think, meh, well, you know, I can live with it if I didn't do it, then you're giving yourself an answer there. But if you can, if you can imagine how you would feel if you didn't do that thing, yeah. whatever that thing would do, supposing you didn't knit that blanket, how are you going to feel? Yes. <laughs> Annoyed at the amount of wool I've already bought. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Got to get rid of your yarn stash. So, so, so visualize yourself doing it. Think about how you would feel if you didn't do it um, mm. and, and take it from there. And, and actually, you know, talk to other people, find other people that have done the thing um, and get advice, you know, seek advice from them and take a friend along. I mean, that, I think, you know, I, I went with a group of people that have been a seasoned swimmers, um, very, very encouraging. And I knew that I was in a safe space that if I did have a panic attack, you know, they wouldn't point and laugh, um, but they would actually be very helpful. But thankfully that didn't happen. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? Sometimes when you do something with a friend, it just helps you be that little bit braver. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Winnie the Pooh said it, didn't he? He said it's always better with two. Well, there we go. Absolutely Winnie right. He knew what he was talking about. Absolutely, he did. I also love that thing about visualising how you feel afterwards, because sometimes that is the thing that helps you to do it, isn't it? Because if you if you think, oh, it's it's wet and it's cold and I can't be bothered, but then you kind of think, oh, but imagine how good it would be to be by the fire with a hot chocolate, having been for a swim or having gone for that walk or whatever it might be. Yes. It really does spur you on to do it. So I think that's a really Definitely. good tip, that visualisation. Yeah. And some things, I also think this as well, if you trick yourself into doing something, so, so you know, like um, I say this with, for example, with decluttering or housework. Mm. If I just say, all I have to do is 10 minutes. Yeah. Actually 10 minutes becomes an hour. And before you know it, you know, you've done something really much more achievable. So if it is the kind of task or the kind of thing that you want to try, just set a small start. Yeah. Um, and see where you go from there. But That's brilliant. Um, so we've got write it down. We've got think about if there are friends that you can ask to go with you or people that you can ask advice on how to do it. There's something about breaking it down into manageable steps. So just do a tiny bit first and commit to doing that and see how it feels. And then the visualizing how it will feel after you've done it. And then I love the thing about how would it feel if you didn't do it as well. And someone, when I was dithering about doing something, someone said to me, imagine if you didn't do it and then you found out someone else had done it instead. Oh my gosh. No, I would feel the stress of that. I already... <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's like I've got to sit down and write the book that I was thinking of before someone else does it or whatever it might it's be. Like Matt's, Matt Haig said of the comfort book, somebody said to him, well, you know, that book's just like really simple. Anybody could write that. And he said, yeah, but you didn't, did you? 
Exactly. <laughs> no one else did. I did. Thank you very much. Mic drop, leave the room. Absolutely. It's good wisdom. It is. So if you were meeting yourself when you were younger, mm-hmm. what advice would you give your younger self, do you think? What would you tell her? Um, I would tell her to be a heck of a lot kinder to herself than she has ever been. I found that question quite hard, actually, when when I read it, you know, in the email, um, because I think I've not been very nice to myself for a very long time. Mm. And actually, I'm capable of more than I thought I was. And it's no nobody else gets to make up the rule about what I want to do and what I want to achieve and what feels good for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Nobody else gets to make the rule. Absolutely. It's so true, but we don't, we don't realize and we often don't realize until we're older and we've got a bit more confidence or a bit more, uh, we worry less about what other people think sometimes. I think. Totally. Totally. I mean, I, you know, turning 50 was fantastic because I just stopped caring. Um, and I, you know, I, I bought these sparkly trainers you can't see them because I can't lift my leg up that high, but they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And I, I was in, I was standing in the shop and I thought, oh, am I too old for these shoes? And then the lady next to me said, please just buy the shoes. Buy the shoes. And, you know, just that team effort, just you do stop caring or you care less. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say you stop caring completely, but you care less. Um, and it's so liberating. And, it, and it's, I wish I had, I wish I'd cared less when I was younger yeah but but definitely ban all the shoulds in your life it should look like this it should be like this nobody gets to decide what you do with your life and how you live it and I I would tell myself that when I was younger I really like that I think that's so important the amount of times I haven't done things because I've worried I'll look silly yeah what would other people think yeah and actually mostly other people are too busy thinking about themselves to worry they're worrying about what everyone thinks of them let alone what you think what they think you think of them or whatever it might be I mean that actually the most unlocking thing I heard in recent years was somebody said oh you know you might think x y and z or people will be thinking x y and z about you they're not that invested in you and honestly I just thought that's so true that is so true it's equal parts upsetting and liberating when you realize that people aren't thinking about you as much as you think they might be of <laughs> worried people would say oh well you said this in the book and you did this and da, da 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 actually you know they've nobody's ever challenged me on any one one person once said to me how much of it did you exaggerate and I said none of it like I didn't need to <laughs> I didn't need to exaggerate. That was actually my life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it was. That funny and that sad and that brilliant and that moving all at once. <laughs> yeah, excuse me. Oh, no. um, but uh, yeah, Sarah, I would recommend everyone to go out and buy Salt and My Skin. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful read. Mm-hmm. And I'm now going to get it back from Ellie so I can reread it because I just <laughs> want to read it again now. It's just such a lovely, lovely book, and I'm so excited that you're going to be doing a second I will definitely be on the lookout for that when it's released thank you you. and Sarah tell me um or tell tell people how they can find out more about what you're doing follow along with you I know you're a big Instagram fan like I am so how can people find out more about you or reach out 
So as you've said, Instagram, my handle is Seasalt and Sarah. Um, so I tend to hang out on there the most. I also have um, a Facebook page called Nork from Ork. So my surname is Nokoi. I'm from Orkney. So Nork from Ork is my um, Facebook page. And I've got a, a website, sarahkennedynorkoi.com. Um, so that's, that's just really about the book. Um, so you can find me in all those places. The blog is Nork from Ork. So there's a few places, but generally um, the day-to-day -day stuff is on Instagram and I waffle on for hours. And it's beautiful waffling. It is utterly beautiful <laughs> waffling. And the photos are joyous. And whenever I see them, I always think, oh, damn it, I need to go out for a swim now. <laughs> we'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes so people can easily just click on the link and follow along with all your adventures. Sarah, thank you so much for giving up your time today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been an utter joy talking to you. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for asking me. Thanks again for being so patient. I know it was a disaster, but I really appreciate it. It's been lovely to chat to you. And worth the coordination for sure. <laughs> Thanks so much. So come on, how beautiful was that conversation? I love talking to Sarah. I could do it for hours. And actually, forget you coming to the River Way, Sarah. I think I need to go up to Orkney. Doesn't the swimming there sound beautiful? I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you know of another brilliant woman that I should be talking to, then let me know. And Sarah, I think we're going to have to get you back when that second book comes out. Till next time, take care. If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much. Thank you.